1: Thank you, everyone, for joining this morning's conversation with Talent Magnet Institute. We have invited a dear friend of ours, mine, VP of Business Controls at Fifth Third, as well as an author and board chair of the Urban League of Greater Southwestern Ohio. Hollandis, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today.
0: Yeah, thanks. And I'm actually the immediate passport chair now. My two years expired uh, in March. And... Uh, Actually, Philip Holloman is now the board chair.
1: Philip Holloman is now the board chair. I knew he was coming after you, but I didn't know if that transition had taken place yet or not. I said he's off and running. Excellent. Excellent. So I was prompted to reach out to you. Obviously, you and I have had lots of great leadership conversations about our community and our nation over the last several months, but recently you shared a post on LinkedIn about leaders' true heart and their core abilities are being tested now. And I thought, what a great conversation to have for all of us to be able to tune into and to learn from, kind of from your leadership perspectives that you've brought from all of the time that you led at City and now Fifth Third and so many roles that you've held in our community. So I thought we would open up a conversation. Thank you for saying yes about how we need to approach our work, treat our people, and use resources during a time like this. So thank you for being willing to have that conversation with us.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate you asking.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So share with us just a little perspective, because you have, for many years, as I understand it, you even helped the city kind of build out their remote. And I'm sure many perspectives that you have regarding teams going remote and having to lead culture, maintain relationship, and get activities accomplished during a time like this. Are there some perspectives you might share of your learnings that you've brought into this time?
0: Yeah, I think like separating it first from COVID and what we're going through with COVID, I think going at home is challenging enough in itself, and it comes with you know some guidelines people need to employ and some different ways to think. But everyone's had to do it in a very much a hurry right now. Rapid so some place. of those things have to build really kind a of weight, and people are learning as they go. But I think some of the core things that have to happen, first I'll talk about it from a personal standpoint, just people working home, and how important it is to have a transition plan to go to work and to come home from work. Hmm just because you're at home you still have to figure out how to replicate that car that you are the bus or however you go to work you have to figure out a very a space that means work and then a way to pack up in the evening if not the two get mixed and it becomes hard to go to sleep there was a study done years ago that so many people working from home was on sleep aids or having family troubles because saying no to your child when they call you and you're at work or texting them no is different than when you're sitting right in front of them and saying no for so little family challenges. So you really have to sit in your home and you have to come up with your rules for your house when you're working from home and what time you're going to shut it down and how shutting it down truly means shutting it down. So I think those are a couple of important things just as people working from home. But then managing from home comes with a whole new set of rules and guidelines, too, that you have to figure out a way to engage, to have a hallway conversation, right, just to tap in with someone. We use Jabber, instant messages, different ways, how to rally everyone in the morning and make sure everyone is setting off, how to open up chat boxes with a group to actually say, or manage team, whatever device you decide to use, whatever application but how to create a team atmosphere, even from home. Mm. And then I think the other big thing is being open to listening. Everyone is going to go through a journey at home. This is outside of COVID right now, differently. Some people love it, never want to go back in. Some people need one or two days a week to be able to go into the office. You know, it's just different things that people require when you're in an at-home environment. Mm -hmm. But right now, and I've done at home, back and forth before, Knowing I didn't have a choice is a little more difficult for me. I've never been in an at-home environment where I had zero choice. I had to be in there. So you have that difference as well that you
1: have to think through. Where do you find in terms of communication barriers or like we were all kind of thrusted into this environment, right? So some people weren't prepared to go into a remote workspace. What can we as people leaders learn from that and how can we respond to maybe some of our talents that weren't ready?
0: Slow, right? Very asking questions. Everyone needs something different. There's no one who will need the same thing. Everyone's needs are a little different at home. Some people need for you to understand their dog is going to bark and they live in an apartment and there's nothing they can do. Some people are home with their kids, and they have to be able to say, "Hey, from 12 to 2, I just can't help you because I have to do X with my kids." Or you might hear them in the background. You have to be open to some of that during this time. Now, when you're really in a work from home manner, you change some of those things. You make sure the person can work from home. You're not going to really hear the dog in the background. You're not keeping your children at the same time you're working. But today's environment is a little different. So when you think about how we're managing today, we have to manage with a little bit of passion, with a lot of understanding. We're realizing our shareholders are going through this, maybe different from each other, but they're still all going through it. Our customers will go through this journey, and it might be different from our employees, but we're all going through it with a different viewpoint, right? And at different stages. There's like the case of the worst, would be like maybe. Herbert Spencer, I think, what his name. Remember Herbert Spencer? He coined the phrase, yeah. the strongest will survive and it's a matter of the fittest. That is not where I am, but that's at a whole other end of the spectrum. But you do have people who feel that way. And as leaders, we have to be open to hearing that. They might have a reason. You can't close the door on that where you want to say that sounds nutty, not to care for people or help people and just allow the strongest to survive. But there's people who feel like And as leaders, we have to be open to hearing that. There's people who might have to bury their loved ones, and they have to wrestle with the fact they weren't there to say goodbye Mm -hmm. because of this awful disease and what it's doing to people. And we're going to have to be sensitive to that. And then there's people where it's not going to touch them, and they just don't understand the entire hype, and they just want to work. So all these things will be different for our shareholders, our customers, and our employees. And as leaders, it's our job to make things feel safe, it's our job to make decisions, to stand by them, but be willing to course correct. So we have to stand up and sometimes get rid of some of the ambiguities. We have to be decisive, even at this time when we're not sure what decisive looks like. But sometimes being open to say that is where truth comes in and where relationship building comes in. So you have to be honest, 100% honest with people. And it's okay to say, I don't know at this time. But you have to have compassion, even for people you think don't give compassion. You still have to have compassion
1: through this as a leader. Yeah, as you mentioned, everyone is experiencing it differently and at very different ends of the spectrum as well. I know I was on the phone with a client over the weekend. and She had a good friend pass away last week to COVID, Mm -hmm. with COVID. And her comment was that it's gotten real for her. It's gotten very real. And I still have employees who don't quite, again, they're kind of believing in it's a lot of hype, it's a lot of media. And her comment was that until it happens to you as a family or now it's changed everything. Now I'm really digging into the CDC guidelines. This coming week, Mike, we're going to have to put some intensity behind our COVID plan of bringing people back and what that's going to look like and as you mentioned once it happens I know on twitter and in the some hr communities i follow i had a contact of mine who lost her mother her grandmother and her aunt in the last mm. COVID, all because of covid and it was like wow when people were expressing their condolences and she was like just please take care of yourself your loved ones and your colleagues. She was an HR executive who's been hit by this and is living up in Detroit and how the hospitals are responding and how the community is responding. She shared people aren't taking it as serious. And I hope I can be a beacon of light that this is serious. Yeah. Are there certain aspects in terms of the understanding, the empathy, anything additional that we as leaders can? What are some practices that we can really try to listen and hear what is happening in our workforce and even for ourselves, not just our people, but how do we need to be listening to our own emotions during this time?
0: So for leaders, it's hard for us to ever be a victim and lead. And this thing makes it where sometimes you have those moments where you feel like there are leaders going through this and they feel like they can't make it, but they have an entire team of hundreds or thousands of people. And that's where truth comes in and honesty, because at the end of the day, we're all people. One thing I learned about leadership very early on is that at the age of 18, we all want to leave our parents' house. And we want to leave our parents' house so we're not told what to do. And we get into the workforce and realize, eh, we get told what to do all throughout life. So what I know is leaders have to learn how to tell people what to do without telling them what to do because we're all adults, right? And one way to do that is to be honest with people, be honest with what we're facing, be honest with the decisions we're making and why we're making it, course correct when you do something wrong, but have the courage to do something so you can sit on the sidelines and not do anything. You have to build an infrastructure of people that are willing to raise their hands when there's a problem because we're at home right now, if third, probably 95% of our folks right now are at home. Raise your hand when you see something that just doesn't sit right. Be bold, but as leaders we have to create that environment. That environment of inclusion. When I said we have to understand everyone will go through this differently. I was sad the other day when I looked at the numbers and it talked about a black and how we're going through it a little more and how some of the systems that were set up before this even started us behind the curve if you will and personally i have an underlying illness i have a disease called sarcoidosis i've had it for years i've been through chemo i've been through all kinds of things and so as soon as it hit i'm like oh my god i have to stay home well, i have a 20 year old who doesn't want to stay home you're battling with that a husband that still works and then an organization where we're essential we're a bank we move money we make things happen we have shareholders, we have customers, but the employees that work with me, what I let them know is that their health comes first. Mm-hmm. And even though some them was going in the office and I was at home and I was like, I had to make this decision. I wasn't open with what I had in the very beginning. And then one day I just felt like, oh my God, I'm the one working from home. And so there's a guilt that goes with things too. But at the end of the day, our economy won't make it if we're not here. We have to be here. And that means all of us, all of us, as many of us as possible. We have to be here. So we have to make choices. We have to talk to people about making great choices. People who don't believe, then we have to have rules, right? So if you decide to open your business back up and you have people or employees who just doesn't take this seriously, then you have to have rules that say as an organization, you take it serious. And those are things we're going to have to do This will probably be out here for a long time, 12, 18, some people say two years, before we get back to whatever the new normal should be, but we have to be open to everyone's normal being different. So I think it takes diversity to a whole new level, and I'm not saying diversity as in color. I'm saying diversity now into how people think about COVID.
1: Yeah, so it's been said, Alandis, that COVID, it's an all-inclusive, right? It's attacking everyone at all levels of the economic systems every age i've seen as much as infant until i think like a 104 year old or has made it you know it's going through all ages all demographics all psychographics doesn't matter if you came into this mentally healthy or emotionally unstable it's it's a very inclusive attack on humans all across the world in every country. But are there aspects of that that you can help those that are tuning in to listen to this episode understand some of the underlying challenges that did already exist prior to COVID regarding the African-American community? And what do we need to learn and listen so that we don't return to the old normal that we take this time to completely restructure? I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if we could completely restructure the way our communities are built, our systems are designed to protect all people? Any insights there that you can share as kind of a call to action of things that we can take this current situation and shift our existing systems?
0: Well, first of all, our infant mortality rate. The rate of African-Americans and what age group they live to is a lot less than what most others, even in Cincinnati. So when you think of Cincinnati and Avondale, I think the average age of a man might be 62, whereas you go up the street and it's 74. It's something like that. Don't quote me on the numbers. It was listed in the 2015 State of Black Cincinnati that was written by the Urban League. And our infant mortality rate was already greater are some underlying conditions just because of health care, the ability to get to a doctor. There was a lot of work done from Children's Hospital under other CEO Mike Fisher where they actually worked to figure out how we could get people, and the Urban League was a part of this, how we could get people to actually go to a doctor instead of the emergency room, right? Because the emergency room is the doctor. For a lot of people who don't have health insurance, they just run to the emergency room. So a lot of work has been done around those things. I'm engaged with a group that's called the Child Poverty Collaborative, doing a lot with Project Lift, all those things. But at this point, we need all those things plus more because we're not starting off at an even playing field, like you said, already. So there was work already to be done just to get things equitable, right, equal. And there's a lot more to do. So I think acknowledging the fact that we were already behind and also getting out of our own way. So a lot of times we're selfish because our personality is about our environment. It's about our culture. It's about what we've learned, a lot of learned behaviors. But we're going to have to start learning something a little different and being open to not being selfish. So if you're out there and you're not sure you have it, you're not supposed to be out there. If you're not practicing stay at home and social distancing, you're being selfish to others because you don't know. We just don't know. I wish there was a way to make sure we were getting uh, more testing. We need that. We need that in all communities. We can't say that we're out the woods until we start testing. As businesses, if we open up yesterday, like in Atlanta where they opened the barbershops and all of those on Friday, you can open that, but it's up to us as organizations of when we should open our door, right? how we should actually come back in. Every organization gets to make that decision. And that's where we have to not be selfish and think about all three. Shareholders, very important for businesses to keep going. Customers, extremely important. And employees, just as important. So acknowledging that we already were behind the curve, I think is one thing. And then doing what we can together to fix some of that is another and sometimes it's just one by one just one by one you have to do it Mm -hmm. and as leaders we're in a great position to help because we have a diverse group of people that can help each other we have people in our organizations that are at the right spot to help others you have people in organizations that's working hard but they need the help so we just have to buckle down and figure out what people need and get it to them Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i think that's the conversation that we've been having quite a bit is how do you take the current challenges and inequities and use this as the time to shift them, right? And make sure we're providing for all people the way that we should, make sure that we're educating and providing the resources that we should. This is a significant time and everyone is designing for return to work, right? And Mm -hmm. How do we not just physically return to work, but how do we emotionally and mentally return back to work with our attitudes and behaviors? Everyone will be touching their handbooks and their infrastructures and their systems and their benefits. Everyone will be touching those. So why can't we provide now an opportunity to shift them to be the best they can be for all of our people, not just some That's right. Yeah. As you look at how this will continue to shift the future leader's mindset, what attributes and mindset shifts do you believe that this experience that we're now seven weeks into here in the U.S.? Some would say, I know some of our international clients started feeling it about 65, 70 days before we did. How do you think this will change? the needs of future leaders, and the mindsets of future leaders?
0: Um, I think being consciously aware, being honest, being okay. You do not know the power of being okay with I don't know. We have to get okay with the fact that we're leading, but sometimes we just don't know. And we're trying to figure it out too. But we also have to be willing to look around the corner and make sure it's safe before we bring everyone with us, right? So our job is to look around the corner so that when we do say, hey, this is safe, come do this, we make sure we feel good about that. Now, saying that you're safe doesn't mean I can handle everything. Like everything that people are going through to bring people back to work, there's not anything that's going to be perfect until, of course, there's a cure or the right thing to do. That's not what you're signing up for, but you're signing up to say that I'm going to make it to where it's the right thing that I would walk into, that I would send my family into, right? That's what businesses have to do a little differently. You have to be open to people having different problems, so you having different solutions. So you could have 20 people with 20 different problems that you're going to have to solve differently for each one because each person's situation is extremely unique. Yeah. And it gets even more unique. It was that way before, but I think we talked about it in ways of diversity, gender, sexual orientation, all of this. Now you combine that where we weren't at the top of the list doing, everyone doing perfectly. And now you overlay this with COVID. Yeah. And it even becomes more complex. So we can't make assumptions. We can't allow our bias to actually tell us what the answer will be. We're gonna have to approach this as leaders with the open mind Hmm. and the willingness and ability to change our hearts sometimes. Some of this is about your heart, right? Your heart and then the balancing act. It is a balancing
1: act. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's some of the fears of if people don't know who has it and what they're walking into, but yet the economy's turned back on, which we all agree that Economies have to continue, and the effect of losing jobs and losing businesses can have a very dramatic effect on a nation that has shut down. But making sure we're extremely thoughtful, I know that's one of the reasons why we've been producing so much content out of the Talent Magnet Institute and of Centennial the last seven weeks because of all of the requests we're getting from business leaders and individuals and corporations asking a variety of questions. People are really wondering, how do we lead during this time? How do we react? What type of resources and tools exist? And if we're not extremely thoughtful before we bring people back, we're putting people at risk. And the question is, What I love how you just said it, Alanis, would you put your family at risk, right? Treat your people like your family make decisions based on what's best for your family of employees. If you really believe your people are your greatest asset, you should be doing that anyway. But now is a time to prove that they are your most important. So there's going to be businesses that are allowed to, quote, unquote, go back to work that may decide that until we have a cure, everyone's been tested. We're not going to cancel our remote workforce, right? Mm -hmm. And there are other many businesses that are have to bring people back because of production lines. And I know I got a message on Sunday afternoon from a friend who actually took a job with one of our customers that was looking for, he had lost his consulting revenue, took a job with one of our clients who's making parts for ventilators. And he was like, this is so purpose driven what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And he's working like a late shift. He said he's working with a lot of high school and college kids that have Mm -hmm. engaged in this particular work to give back. He was like, I'm seeing generations and people of an entirely different level for an entirely different purpose. And it's given me a lot of hope for humanity by the way that we're responding. But there's a few things that individuals need to be thinking about, and we uh, are partnering up with an organization that's offering a COVID compass survey. So allows organizations to have their people surveyed to identify where people are right now based on their attitude towards COVID and how the organization is going to need to be able to respond. And then also a e-learning course that's around specifically COVID safety first training As well. So, we'll be providing that this week. We'll be providing some links out to our members of the Talent Magnet and our community that follow our podcast and videocast and things to share that resource. I think it goes live tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So, be on the lookout for that. Kind of a whole return to work mindset, right? If workplace cultures are going to change, and it's critically important that we all know how we're going to need to be able to respond based on everyone's sentiment, concerns, fears, or anger and frustrations that people are going through, too. And it's great that we were talking for us to all know where people are, right? The only way to respond is to know where our people are so that we can respond appropriately to meet their needs and to meet the broader needs of our organization. So we'll provide some resources out for that.
0: That'd be great. I think every group, every organization has to have that, and they have to build a policy around making sure that people make the right decisions as well. So if you think about someone who might have a cost, but they decide they're going to go to work anyway, because they need the money, need to make sure there's policies that actually drive people to make the right decisions, even when we're thinking about money, because again, that can put other people at risk. And then I think the peace with the community, we do have work to do. Recently I received a call from a lady her name's Sister Sally and we were talking about some of the child poverty work that's been going on in Project Lift. and she had a need from Heartstone that actually needed diapers. And I said, I'll give you some money to buy diapers and she was like, No, they can't find any. Well I never go looking for diapers. So I actually just put something really quick on Facebook. A number of people like raised their hand and Some people ordered some from Amazon. Some people had them in their grocery stores. And I was like, well, why did they find them? So that Saturday I get up and I was going stare crazy. So I leave the house and I actually, I wear my mask and I do all of that stuff, but I actually decided to go to the store. So I started down near Avondale. And what I found was that our grocery stores and our stores aren't fair either. So I couldn't find them in one neighborhood. But then as I headed north, when I got further past where I live, up towards Westchester and kept going, full. Mm. Hyde Park went to the grocery store. Amazingly full. Mm. And so those are the things that we've gone through before that become even a greater challenge, that we have to hold places accountable to do right by every neighborhood. Just the fact that I could drive out to Westchester and find them fully stopped. And couldn't find them closer to the city inappropriate for right so those are things that's been challenges for a long time that we have to fix to me they're easy fixes it costs the same amount in either store. there's some easy fixes that we have to hold people accountable to and it's not just one store it was a number of them and i just wrote actually i ended up all the way in dayton and quickly saw my mother six feet away so i hadn't seen her in a couple weeks so Wow. It ended on a good note, but it was telling to me things that we have to do. We have to be fair.
1: Right. Not hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Identifying those gaps. I think it's there's some people who I'll make sure get links to this episode as well, just to encourage that particular topic who can address and influence those challenges, right? That there's mm-hmm. individuals. Fortunately or unfortunately, in many cases, it it is leaders who can make that impact and who can say, that is not okay, right? That is not okay. Someone is operating a supply chain plan that is inequitable, right? Right. And just why our system set up that way can be so frustrating to us who are trying to make changes in the world and influence leaders to be more Inclusive and equitable in those conversations. So, oh. interesting. Interesting. Such a challenge, but an opportunity, right? That as we walk into this again, I believe that so much is going to change coming out of a time. Cycle. It should define our future. It should make everyone reevaluate, reassess. And we want the topic to be how do we become talent magnets? How do we let all people at Achieve their greatest good? How do we enable people to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life? Not just succeed in work. We don't just need our people as organizations and leaders. We don't just need our people to be great at work. We need to help enable our people to be the best they can be and help bring out their greatest good no matter who, where, or what they do. And that's part of this calling with our podcast and with our Facebook lives and with our YouTube videos and our membership content that we've been curating and creating, which we're excited to say you can now join as a member for the Talent Magnet Institute. Our goal was that that would be out towards the end of 2020. And we've had such Mm -hmm. a response. Our team is shifting and trying to get that live now because people need support. So if you go to talentmagnetinstitute.com, you can sign up as a member, which is going to bring you into a whole circle of influence around leadership and content and resources. We have our team building out our leadership diagnostic tool that allows organizations to create heat maps of where and how they need to invest to be their best for their people. We also are announcing a um, partnership with the Kolar Experience Institute that's doing this COVID response training and this COVID kind of workplace preparation of where our people are and then how do we roll out responses. So we're listening really closely, Alandis, to organizations from restaurant and retail to manufacturing, to service businesses, to organizations that were making product A, B, and C and shifted to G, K, and Z over the last seven weeks to be able Mm -hmm. to respond and use their capabilities. And I know there'll be a lot of shifts that come out of that globally in the last week. Even over the weekend, I was speaking to our web developer, who's our partner for Talent Magnet Institute, is in Australia. And I was speaking to two consultants last week, one from Germany and one from Switzerland. And this is affecting everyone Yes, differently, but in some cases the same, that the whole globe has been affected by this. So now is a time to disrupt those systems and disrupt those mindsets to help bring the best of to allow, enable all people to thrive. Alanis, I noticed we do have a couple of questions. Do you mind if I jump into a couple of questions?
0: I'm going to easy.
1: Okay. Easy. <laughs> you mentioned early in the conversation regarding routines, are there any insights you have on suggestions for daily routines for those who are working from home?
0: Yeah, so I used to work for a guy who works from home, and his routine was he worked in the basement. He had built his office in the basement of his home, and so in the morning, he got up, he got dressed, he walked down to the basement, worked. And in the evening, five, he walked upstairs, and that was it. That was his transition to and from work. And he was actually done, five, six o'clock, he was done every day. Then I have folks who worked actually on their living room couch. But they have a thing at 12 o'clock to one, they take a lunch, they close down. And then at five o'clock, they close, and they go to dinner, they fix dinner for their families, and they might log back in at eight. They didn't have small kids, so they log back in at eight. So that was their work. I have this thing where I work all over my house, but wherever I choose to work from that day is where I work from. So sometimes I work from my office. Sometimes I work from the kitchen table when no one's home. It's just I like the difference and I love the sun. And so I try to get different places where the sun will be shining in. And I'm not really good at closing down, but I try to. But it is that mindset of closing down and transitioning to home, even if you live alone. If you live in a small place and you really can't have a separate place, then you should at least open up, sit at the kitchen table and work, and then your transition is closing down everything and putting them back in your carry bag or your backpack, closed down. So that's how you kind of transition. So you have to have that is extremely important. The other piece that I think is just as important is a lot of people think that folks don't get a lot done if you work from home. I think it's the opposite, but it's really about the person, right? So if you aren't doing your work and you know you have work to do, that's on you, mm-hmm. right? And as managers, we have to have data and things that tell us when people aren't doing right by the system and we have to handle it because there's still things that we have to do. So if, if you're blessed enough in this, especially in this environment to work from home, do your work, right? Make sure you do your work. Mm -hmm. Double down doing your work, but also have boundaries, Mm -hmm. set clear boundaries for yourself. And everyone's, like I
1: said, boundaries are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's another question in here about that that takes it to another degree around that some people feel like the working from home dynamic is even more intense because people don't take breaks. And then the balance of it all, let's say, for example, you have to homeschool your kids for three hours in a workday. How do you balance and how do you avoid burnout? Any tips there?
0: So first of all, this is where leadership is important because we actually set the stage for people feeling comfortable to raise their hand and say, I have to teach my kids. So can I have these three hours? Not may I have, but here's my three hours that I'm gonna need to use for my child, right? So we have to set up an environment and a culture where people will tell us and work through those things individually. Superheroes are just marvel folks. You can't try to be a superhero in this. You can't be all things to your family, all things to your employer. You have to know what the boundaries are and be honest about them. And as leaders, we have to provide that flexibility.
1: Excellent. There's another question in here about what opportunities do you see for organizations to leverage diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioners to drive required changes that we've discussed today?
0: So what's telling is right now, DEI officers who's in diversity, equity, and inclusion, they are needed. So a lot of people look around and are thinking, oh my God, am I essential? Absolutely. And an organization who's not doubling down in that space really isn't paying good attention because. That ability to drive inclusion, diversity, even more powerful and needed today than ever. Remember when we talked about before, diversity was more geared towards race, gender, sexuality, the list goes on, religion, all of that. Now you have to overlay that with how people feel about this COVID. So it becomes even more imperative for people to feel included if I have that Herbert Spencer thinking, I'm still an employee and I still need to feel included, although my thoughts may differ from everyone else's. That person still matters. We all still matter regardless of what we think, who we cheer for, we all still matter. And so as leaders, that is extremely important. So organizations who are not still in that DE&I or they think it's going away, they're setting their stuff up for failure. So that's important, more so important now than ever. Changing the mindset of people of how they see like that grocery store, I had to actually intentionally go and look and say, yeah. "What's the difference in all these stores going, you know, up 75?" But I had to intentionally look for that. We have to change how we view things. Yeah. We have to be open to view things just a little differently. And so diversity and inclusion is among one of the top things we have to look at differently.
1: Yeah, yeah. if I could, Atlantis, I would add that right now is also where we're going to see what organizations decide to scale back on or to push forward is going to determine their true core values and their belief systems, right? We believe at the Talent Magnet Institute and Centennial that diversity, equity, and inclusion is a big rock. It is a core value that you need to always make sure is essential. It's not a non-essential program. It should be an essential big rock that you weave into our organizations, that we believe so much so in the power of all people that That is an essential piece of the way that we structure our organization. And we also believe that in leadership development, right? You know, we always, Mm -hmm. the phrase that every athlete and student has a coach, whether they're bad, good, or excellent, and every leader should too. Every people leader needs a coach. And so now is not a time to dial back on development of our people. And now is certainly not a time to, dial back our budget for DEI, it should be the underlying core seat at the table, like your head of people, like your CFO, like your head of operations, leaning in and making sure that these discussions are all of them are embedded with that big rock and core value. So just to any of those who have scaled back because well now we're going to lose that program budget, you're not implementing DEI as you should, right? And I think that we're going to see that happen. I know it's probably already happening. I know we've gotten calls. I know one of our faculty members, Dr. Janet Reed, was sharing the saying that, you know, we're getting calls saying, you know, our organization is thinking about scaling back. And it's like, whoa, time out. We've posted, Dr. Reed put a white paper out that we've uh, published on our LinkedIn page and our uh, talent magnet podcast community page and she's posted on LinkedIn as well, that a great conversation around, it's either a core value or it's not. And it needs to be a core value for all of us.
0: And anyone who's thought about doing it differently or any organization that's done it differently, hey, course, correct. Like I said, we're going to get some things wrong. We're not perfect. Even in a boardroom, you're not perfect organizations sometimes don't come up with the right set of strategies sometimes and they have to course correct. So if you were going down that path, stop and think of it a little differently because your diversity is going to get even greater, right? You're not going to be able to look at me and see that I had COVID if I did. Thank God, knock on wood, I haven't, but you won't be able to look at me and tell, right? You won't be able to look at me and tell that, I, like you were mentioning someone who had lost their aunt, their grandmother, you're not going to be able to just look at me. and tell that I'm going through that. You, as managers and leaders, we're going to have to build the right relationships and be open enough for people to feel comfortable having that conversation if needed. When I think about the mental challenges that are about to happen, that is important. I cannot imagine losing someone Mm -hmm. and you are not able to go and spend the last moments with them. I can't imagine that. I pray I don't have to go through that. But there are people going through that right now. And the other side of their mental state may not be what they wanted or what they expected in life. And we have to be open to that and help people through that. But we can't look at you and know that happened, right? Relationships are important. So I'll go back to DE&I. If there's organizations thinking of getting out of it, if you thought that's where you should cut back, you need to rethink it. And if you've already done it, course correct and do that quick. Excellent. Excellent.
1: Any additional insights you can share, Landis, on how leaders can be held accountable for individualized approaches to people centric leadership? You know, that is a mindset of getting people to really think about the individuals in their workplace. Are there things that we as organizations can set in place to help hold our people accountable to making sure they're taking that approach?
0: Yeah. So, first of all, the next level of managers, always the mid-level managers make the world go round. right? They make decisions on a large group of people. And their next set of leaders should be asking them questions that know that they know. So you, there's questions as leaders we can ask other leaders that validate. They're making good, solid decisions. And opening up to conversations, because again, we haven't been here before. I've never been at this place with COVID. Have you? I think this is new to all of us. We're learning all of this together. It's the same thing I said about the guy that was arrested and over the line for acting up. And hey, they didn't know any better. We're all learning. We're all on this journey together and we're learning. Those are the things we have to be open to. I can't say which policy you should change or what this you should change. I can say that we need people to feel included. We need to be honest with people, as honest as we can. There's times there's confidentiality. I get that. But as honest as we can, we need to be human, very human, and we need to be accepting, accepting to the differences. And we also still need to make sure we see the potential in others. You know, I always say, if you tell an employee, I see you replacing me, you have just put a little more pep in their step for the rest of their life. So actually sowing into people's potential becomes even more important. And actually celebrating when people do something that took courage. When you push back on things that actually look wrong, I think I mentioned that earlier, when you see something that's not right, say something about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is amazing how many of us, I mean, I always ask the question of, how did we all really get where we are, right? And in so many cases, it's because others believed in us, helped Mm -hmm. identify our greatest strengths, helped point out our greatest challenges and weaknesses, Refined. So many of us are. You know, it's like the polishing a diamond, right? It takes people to really polish the diamond to bring us out, and that's the way we should be looking at all of our people. I love the question on an individualized approach. If we could help each and every one of our team members, no matter how many employees you have, know that their voice is meaningful. Know that their voice matters. Know that they have a safe Place to come and do their best every day and don't have to be looking behind their back to see what's happening. Mm -hmm. They can trust the culture. They can trust their people leaders. That's going to bring out the best in them and help elevate your organization, right? So allowing people to do you feel connected to someone in your workplace is the reason why Gallup puts that there. That it's somebody has taken a personal interest in me and my success. And that's part of what, wow, what a rally cry. Thank you, Jen, for asking this question. Because if we could just get people to think about that, right? That goes so well, Landis, with what you've said, goes so well with what we believe of how you become a talent magnet. You help people elevate and they want to tell others about you and your organization, and they bring out their best. You help them bring out their best. They help you achieve your best. Why not do that with everyone, right? And quit taking this broad swath of here's how we're going to treat everyone who's in this particular level of organization, right? That's just not how we should be leading anyway. So, wow, what an opportunity for a tough situation, a difficult, a life-altering situation to life-alter our people practices right? And really get us thinking about how to lead well in so many ways. Alandis. we always ask the question, is there something in particular that you would love to leave our listening audience with? So we, our episodes and content is shared across 80 countries and has about 36,000 listeners. So when you're sharing, just know that that's who you're reaching with this particular message. What would you leave our leaders and listeners and audience with today
0: i think i'd say that first let's start off with some courage courage to speak up when things aren't going right but have a lot of compassion we need compassionate hearts we also need a focus on doing what's right what's right for shareholders what's right for customers and what's right for the most important asset you have employees and what's right for someone isn't always what's right for the next person. So be open, be flexible, and don't beat yourself up. We're all learning through this. We're going to make mistakes. I think a character is about how you deal with mistakes you make. Make them, carry on, fix them, and keep going. And I pray for everyone. I'm a prayer. I think you know that about me. I'm a faith walker. And so I say, I pray for people's grace. I pray for us to give mercy. And I pray for us to get through this all and become, on the other side, better people, a better country. Excellent.
1: Alandis, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your friendship. And thank you for the time invested today. I'm so thankful you were able to join us for this episode. And to all of those listening, I hope this created some stirring of your heart, some stirring of the conversations that can come out of this, that can be a blessing to you and your people as we are all in this together and we're all trying to help ourselves reframe what success looks like in leadership. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining
0: us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe
2: so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.